Cast overruns plague big projects February the 15th, 2023. Earnings continue to meet or modestly beat expectations. Fourth quarter EBITDA at Enbridge of $3.9 billion beat expectations by $16 million, or around four-tenths of 1%. The small margins between actual and expected at many companies highlight the visibility of their earnings. Along with TC Energy, both companies have a long history of dividend growth. 28 years at Enbridge and 23 years at TC Energy. However, the two big Canadians represent a disproportionate share of the sector's growth capex. Costs for TC Energy's coastal gasoline project continue to spiral upwards, now 14.5 billion Canadian dollars and more than double its initial forecast. The project's value has been written down by 3 billion Canadian dollars and a further write down is expected as additional funding is provided. Although both Canadian firms are generally well regarded, we have maintained them at below weight positions in our portfolios because of their extensive CapEx programs. We estimate that their 21 to 23 CapEx is 38% of the sector's total, ahead of their 31% share of market cap. Enbridge expects EBITDA growth this year of 25 to 6.5% and TC Energy 5 to 7%. The problems with Coastal GasLink highlight the difficulty big construction projects face in North America. Labor is tight and environmental extremists adept at using legal challenges to impose costly delays. Kinder Morgan executives must thank their good fortune at unloading the Trans Mountain Pipeline project to the Canadian federal government in 2018. After delays and cost overruns, it's now scheduled to be in service next year, costing 21.4 billion Canadian dollars versus the 12 billion Canadian dollars estimated when Canada bought it. Our northern neighbour has long struggled to get its oil to market. TMX became embroiled in provincial politics, with liberal British Columbia unsympathetic to landlocked Alberta's need to move its produced crude oil to the Pacific coast. The ill-fated Keystone XL was another failed effort to solve that problem by sending crude south. Canadian natural gas also travels great distances to reach its market, a problem TC Energy's coastal gas link is trying to solve. Tourmaline sends its gas 3,000 miles via pipeline from British Columbia to Chenier's LNG export facility at Corpus Christi in Texas, where it's loaded onto LNG tankers. From there, it supplies buyers in Europe and Asia at prices 10 times the Canadian spot market. Coal to natural gas switching remains a powerful means of reducing CO2 emissions. Unfortunately, Pakistan just announced plans to quadruple coal-generated electricity and use less LNG because of high prices. Russia's invasion of Ukraine turned Europe into a significant buyer of LNG, which has made it harder for poorer countries to use it. Pakistan is facing a balance of payments crisis and a debt default looms. This illustrates that energy security and affordability are more important to developing nations than the energy transition. Some officials in India believe they're more vulnerable to extreme weather events because of a warmer climate, such as the floods that destroyed neighboring Pakistan's cotton crop last year. More likely is that these and other countries will raise living standards first and worry about emissions later when they're better able to absorb the higher costs of mitigation and low-carbon power. Obviously, solar and wind aren't cheaper, or Pakistan would be emphasizing them instead of coal. In Germany, a project to blend natural gas with green hydrogen in a 70-30 split has been running successfully since the fall. Green hydrogen relies on solar or wind power to run the electrolysis that separates it from water. 
Utah's Intermountain Power Project plans to supply Southern California with a similar blend by 2025. Plugging intermittent solar and wind into electrical grids creates instability, requiring battery backup or natural gas peaker plants. Because it's not always sunny and windy, 25 to 35% capacity utilization is the norm. Personally, I have no interest in weather-dependent power, but converting it into hydrogen nullifies the intermittency problem because electrolysis can run when weather permits without any disruption to customers. Some regions still cling to the belief that everything can run on solar and wind. Eugene, Oregon recently added itself to the list of unappealing places to live by banning gas hookups on new construction. Remote work is expected to curb oil consumption by reducing commuting. Three years on from the outbreak of COVID, hybrid work is common with Fridays and especially a popular day to work from home. 25 years traveling from New Jersey to New York City daily soon lost its appeal for me. Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan, along with New York City government, all required their workers to be full-time in the office. The reality is different. J.P. Morgan is barely at 50% occupancy, even in 383 Madison, the building they acquired when bailing out Bear Stearns in 2008 that is their de facto headquarters, while 270 Park Avenue has been rebuilt. J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon famously said, people don't like commuting, but so what? Americans are spreading out in this vast country, improving quality of life and perhaps even reducing emissions somewhat. Hybrid work is challenged to create a corporate culture and support creative teamwork, but it looks like a permanent change. <laughs>